Hey everyone, welcome back to On Point. This episode, I sit down with Brent from Valkyrie, and if you know anything about Valkyrie, it's higher-end broadhead component and aero system built all into one, and Brent comes with a lot of information, a lot of experience, and a lot of knowledge, and talks to us about how he arrived at his system that he uses today and that he sells with Valkyrie. I love having these conversations with different broadhead and aero manufacturer companies, and Brent brings a lot of uh, a lot to the table with this conversation. I really hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, before we get started here, though, uh, I want to announce that we're having a broadhead test, and I, I am so excited about this test here. Uh, I don't want to give too much away, but it's going to be a, a very in-depth and, and a lot of new testing, and we're going to take some of the testing from last year. But uh, we need heads. We need 125 grain heads in the package, and if you want to submit a head, you can message me on Instagram just to make sure we don't have the heads that you're wanting to send me. But um, I've had quite a few guys reach out after my post on Instagram asking for 125 grain heads. And I appreciate everybody going out of their way to send us heads to help soften the blow of how many heads we're going to have to buy. We're shooting for 75, um, which was uh, Wes's original goal. And uh, we'll, we'll see where we end up at. But every pack of heads that we receive definitely does help and uh make sure you message me before you send me one and uh because i don't want to get any repeat offenders if we don't have to that way you're not sending us something that we don't need so um message me on in, on instagram i'll update you with what we still need if you want to support that you can go on to my patreon you can give us money there you can message me for paypal um, we are accepting offers and donations so uh you know this is going to be a very expensive very extensive uh, broadhead test and anything helps so outside of that guys let's go ahead and get into the episode with brent and i'll see you at the end of the episode bye cool well what do you say we get this thing going brent okay so i've actually had a few requests quite a long time ago to get you on the show and, and um it's finally nice to be able to do, do it in person when we finally sure. get to meet and and um heard a lot of great things about your delivery system your setup and um with with what you have going on here um, I just love you to kind of dive into it and go into because you and I were talking earlier. You kind of solved, uh, you created this for yourself. Yeah. And we're solving issues that you were trying to develop and, and basically landed on this for your setup. And uh, just basically walk me through it if you want, and then we'll kind of get into your into your system here. Okay. Um, so, well, for years, well, there's a lot of guys that are. I get running them all the time now. They like to tinker with their stuff and work on their setups and. You know, it's the same kind of thing I've been doing for, I don't know, ever since probably I started archery back when I was a kid. But um, trying things, always trying to find the ultimate setup and, you know, become the most accurate setup that works the best for whatever you're, whatever bow you're shooting at that time. And I was always buying, reading the magazines, buying everything and trying it all for myself. And in the beginning, I'd just go with what I read and try it and it either work or it wouldn't most uh, 90 percent of the time it was not working <laughs> so i ended up with large garbage cans full of arrows and parts yeah. and stuff like that and uh eventually read some ashby stuff back in god it was like the early 90s but he on the reports he'd done in the 80s and then uh thought it sounded pretty good with all the penetration stuff and bone breaching and accurate you know, all that stuff and but there was really no way to do it. it was before grizzly stick and then um so i was always trying to put arrows inside it. and then carbon tubing came out i mean it, it was new and not very good and um but then i was putting 
aluminum arrows and carbon arrows and trying to build some stronger setups and using parts anyway over the years so this has gone on for many then pretty soon as decades of every year there's new stuff coming out and you're trying it and it's good or it's not and mm-hmm. you keep improving your setup or think you are then um then you read more stuff then <laughs> yeah. so the first time i tried the weight forward thing and off based off of the ashby stuff mm-hmm. was uh around 2004 i went ahead and built some arrows with 200 i forget they're called epsilon shafts they were skinny carbons they're, i don't think they're around anymore and uh somehow glued some outserts on them and found some outserts somewhere and put on some 250 grain heads but it, at that time no one really had any so you had to buy these aluminum or these steel adapters and buy some glue-on broadheads and make 250 grain head anyway um anyway i missed a big old bull and i didn't mm. change my arrow really at all I was using weight tubes at the time, so I pulled the weight. T- I figured this out a long time ago, but I bought all these super stiff arrows with these heavy heads, and they wouldn't fly. And about that, this is about the exact same round time Grizzly Stick came around. Um, very soon, right in there, right after, I can't remember. But um, so I pulled the, ended up pulling the weight tubes out, putting the weight up front, and I didn't change my fletching or anything else in my arrow. So mm-hmm. I was, back then, I was using four four or five inch feathers <laughs> so anyway because <laughs> you know i read somewhere that you needed that stability right yeah. out of the bow and uh and then i was hunting over east i actually drew a wanaha tag in oregon which is like the oh, premium wow, yeah. tag in 2004 and uh so i was pretty confident in my setup and i got a bullet 35 yards and shot and i thought i got him but um didn't my arrow went out there and nosed about 30 yards and did a nose dive mm. And went under, I'm like, this weight forward thing is a bunch of BS. That's <laughs> it. I'm done. And uh, took all that stuff off, redid my whole thing. I went out, dropped my arrowhead back to normal standard stuff, put in regular inserts, about 125 grain heads, went out to Montana. Uh, I had a tag that year. And uh, after the Wanaha hunt, with it, I got zero. Mm. And then went out and uh, for any bull and ended up shooting a raghorn in Montana with a standard setup. And really? I'm like, okay. But, you know, I didn't get good penetration or anything, but I got one. And I'm like, you know, this was my arrow didn't drop. I was happy. Yeah. Yeah. Then, um, so then I stuck with that for a while. Kind of with, ended up going with like full metal jackets and Montex for a long time and pretty successful with that. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, anyway, then I had some, started having some marginal stuff happening, some bad experiences. And I'm like, you know, maybe I had to relook at that weight forward thing, and I went back and I reread all the Ashby stuff, and I was like, "Yeah, okay." So then I went in the full Ashby with the 650 green arrows. So I yeah. was using FMJs, but I was using like uh, brass inserts and sleeves. We were actually cutting aluminum tubing like everybody's doing now, mm-hmm. and um, to st- to strengthen the front end, and uh, started using that, but using heavy arrows, you know, 650 plus. And lobbing logs, but, I mean, it worked. It did exactly what Ashby said. I shot, I accidentally shot a cow elk through the ham, through the through the pelvic bone, mm. went in, killed her. And a hog in the same year, same, almost identical. You know, quartering away, something happened. I ended up shooting him through the ham. Got them both. And there's no way, my other regular setup, there's no way. You just hit him in the ham, it'd stick in there, they'd run off, they're gone. Mm-hmm. Killed both of them. But after two years of that, what I call lobbing logs, got pretty uh just like it started sucking 
<laughs> Honestly, trajectory's like trajectory <laughs> terrible. I mean, geez, you know, if you're off by a yard, you're missing by three feet. Yes. It's like, yeah. That's ridiculous. And you can't, 3D shoots are no fun. I mean, the stuff works. You got to get closer, reduce my effective range considerably. And um, so I went and I decided I need to figure out a system that was just as effective, but with a lighter weight arrow. Cause, and and most guys running comp, and I wasn't really thinking about marketing or business stuff or anything, or having my own archery business or anything like that. I was just thinking about for me. I needed a moderate weight arrow mm-hmm. that performs like a heavyweight. So, yeah, so I looked at all the factors of the ultimate arrow, and Ashby, there was a short essay or something he had on the ultimate arrow and the, how many factors are in it. We looked at all the factors. So I go, okay, we've got to have all these factors, mm-hmm. mechanical advantage of the broadhead, structural integrity, pure arrow flight, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I said, but back in, when he did the studies back in the 80s, he mm-hmm. didn't have a lot of the technology and com- compo- components we do now. He had, uh, you know, we have skinnier, lighter, stiffer shafts, um, way more, way better broadheads these days than we had back then. I mean, we had nothing. Grizzly Stick was the first company that I knew of that came along that actually made super ridiculously expensive broadheads at the time mm-hmm. <laughs> but i was like these are ridic-. but i went i spent a thousand bucks on broadheads i'm like finally somebody's making something we right. need i don't have to buy you know all this other stuff and try to manufacture something in my garage that what i want to do here it is and um which was a relief i'm going off on these tangents but no uh, you're fine but then um but in order to get the moderate weight though i'm like well we need a lighter weight platform and i revisited the weight forward thing and I was going to build a broadhead because I was kind of get, started getting frustrated with the broadhead design. And I was like, there has to be something a little bit better than what was out there. Because I, then I ended up started having some problems with the heads I was using. And I didn't want nothing. And I was, so I was using, ended up started using glue-on single bevel two blades. But even with the single bevel two blade, the bone breach and all that stuff and the penetration was great. But some of the blood trails are pretty marginal, you know. Yes. Like we're hitting these things pretty good, and yeah. sometimes they die quick, sometimes they don't. And you're like, I, I wish I could get that penetration and bone breach with a three blade, because even though you have the S cut with a single bevel, you're still at times. I mean, you're thinking that thing's sealing up, because man, we should have more blood than this, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I'm gonna circle back to that blood thing in a second. <laughs> so um, we ended up ended up designing on paper a single bevel two blade that with some improvements to it to, to decrease its resistance to heavy t- to soft and heavy tissue because um, i wanted because we're going to lighten the load we're going to lighten that heavy bone breach threshold up i wanted to get it down in somewhere like a full metal jacket with a 100 grain head on it hmm. somewhere you know around 500 grains and um but in order to do that we had to start taking out all the resistance that ashby was dealing with with a single bevel two blade with a tonneau tip. I mean, just the hide breach is the first factor. There's number one, getting in the door. With a, Even with a sharp tonneau tip, it takes a considerable amount of force just to breach the hair and the hide. So anyway, so we started with the tip of the broadhead. Mm-hmm. The lowest hide breach threshold we could build for the tip was a pyramid shape, or you know, sharp pyramid shape. For, uh, and what guys don't understand, this was baffling my mind for a long time because why would a three blade with our, you know, the drop point three blade, you could push it through a piece of cowhide. We're using like a thick piece of cowhide. Mm-hmm. It would just go right through it like butter, like two, one and a half, two pounds of pressure, just gone. 
but then you take a super sharp tonneau tip two blade or even a, just take for example a needle point not needle point but we just take a zwicky broadhead mm -hmm. two blade sharpen it up to razor sharp belt sanded super smooth sharp edge all the way to the point which is a tip curler but we didn't for this test we didn't even, i was just doing it for the test that's double it's like four pounds really yeah huh. i'm like no way you know so we redid that a couple times we're like okay three blades better then we went to the tonneau tip so for tip strength because if you can't when you run those tips out straight edge even on the like the zwickies or the razor heads and stuff like that if you take that it's a tip curler so mm -hmm. you got to get rid of that because as soon as that tip curls it shatters your penetration and especially if you hit a bone or anything like that so so we started looking so we ended up okay it's got to be three tip but then the three blade even the long skinny three blades like vpa and stuff mm -hmm. i mean those were okay but heavy tissue would still throw the brakes i mean the resistance was too high even with the long ones the shorter ones it was terrible for bone and stuff but um even the longer ones they were kind of semi three to one ratio in the three blade this still had the mechanical advantage wasn't there of a three to one two blade the two blade would just blow through three blade would just it would use in three-quarter plywood even with the compound bow mm -hmm. we sharpen up those three blades with the they have a little bit softer steel and um even with a 70 pound compound and a 700 grain arrow that we're building with these uh outserts and stuff yeah three-quarter plywood would just stick in it i was in fact i had a 70 pound matthews monster that i was using for testing and it wouldn't go through that i'm like hmm. so i'm like if it doesn't go through that i mean it's that's trouble so anyway we just decided that we're going to sacrifice the the uh point thing i'm going way into the weeds on this broadhead no, you're design, fine but here's this is, the, uh, the point i was making was yeah. we started with the broadhead yeah and then we ver originally the broadhead at once we got to the broadhead design so we ended up building the three blade with two blade my friend Dwayne jessup who's the owner of thunderhorn um, in montana he we we're going to go all in on the two blade with this improvements that i've made to it like it would be similar to a uh, cutthroat now mm -hmm. that uh, which is a really good broadhead um this is before cutthroat and um He's like, hey, before you do that, he goes, you need to look at this old broadhead we used to use. And it was an old Martin Penetrator three-blade. And um, he goes, if you modify it, we used to modify it like this and drop point the tip and smooth out the angle change and, and round the, the fins on it. And uh, he's like, this broadhead really has been something we've used for years. And he used to own a bow sh or archery shop there in Hamilton. I guess he's like, hey, I've known of hundreds of elk that have been shot with this style. And he goes, I don't know of a single broadhead failure. Hmm. And you know when you when I he sent me one because he's hoarding them like you know they're gold mm -hmm. and he's like I'll send you I'm like just send me one he goes well, okay I'll send you one and he sent it to me <laughs> and so I took it I, I mounted it as a glue on it's hundred grains hmm. just with real thin steel and you know just like kind of like the junky old old time stuff and uh, so I glued it on we did I did some uh, flight testing with it shot pretty good then I started shooting thin stuff then I was like okay it's working pretty good so then I put up the plywood. A three-quarter plywood, sharpened it up. I'm like, God, this bro's going to shatter this thing. Because, you know, I just had it mounted on a broadhead adapter. And I'm like, yeah, mm. shoot it through. It blew right through the plywood. And I was like, holy mm. smokes. Get it back. The broadhead was dull because the steel's not quite what it should be. But uh, it was pretty impressive. So I was like, God dang, that's pretty damn impressive. And it's got the three, the drop point, the three, uh, the pyramid-style tip. Mm -hmm. It's a steep pyramid. But, I mean, so you... 
I'm like, if we put that broadhead on steroids with modern technology machined it out of a single piece, because I don't want any removable blades or anything. I wanted, you know, zero failure is what mm-hmm. we're looking for. I'm like, we might have something there, you know. So then we went and, long story short, we had it machined out of some pretty good steel. And then now we have machined out of the best steel we can find for sharpness and strength and everything. So, uh, but uh, that's how the broadhead started. Then we, so then we had to test, and it was just with the con- regular screw-in converter point stuff. And so we, I'm like, well, we need to test the strength of this thing to see how strong it is. So I wanted something that was reusable, not going to bend or break on impact with a game animal mm-hmm. and uh, or elk bones or elk shoulders. And, and I want it to be, you know, so you could resharpen it. You could actually shoot your hunting arrow. Because you, I used to have the practice broadheads. Then you screw out. You never really shoot your. I, I mean, I was so careful. I shoot like my. I'd screw out my hunting broadhead. Mm-hmm. Go shoot it one time. Make sure it's hitting good. <laughs> and if it hit pretty good, then I was like, okay, I can shoot it. And then if it didn't hit good, I'm like, well, let's try another one. And you put another one on until you get one. That's then, you, but you want to shoot it one time, and most of the time they start getting dull after one shot into foam. And I'm mm-hmm. like, that's another thing that got in my mind after a while. I was like, what if my broadhead's getting dull in foam? What's that mean by the time it cuts through the hair and the hide? And some fat and stuff. By the time it gets to the goodies, it's got to be dull. It's yeah. getting dull and foam. You know, so I was like, anyway, that's another part of the broadhead building process. But after we built the broadhead, did the bone test, and it was just blowing up bone like crazy, even on a super light setups. I mean, I had a four, I bought a 40-pound wooden longbow, made a 480-grain arrow, just light a setup I could make that I had, you know, and um, that was legal for hunting in most places and hung up an elk scapula and just blew right through it hmm. and for through the flat part and then i ended up the thicker part shot that just blew it apart and i was like well that's pretty neat mm-hmm. i mean it was actually quite surprising because i thought and i hung it in the midair in front of the target not against anything really and it still went through it went through without like it didn't even like it went through it like it wasn't even there like a piece of paper huh. and i was like that's something yeah. Um, so I, um, then we had to do a, then I was doing a strength test, see if we could try to break them or whatever. So, but the arrows kept breaking and cause the components were, was, we bought, you know, cause gold tips supposed to be, you know, super strong. So mm-hmm. we bought the gold tip hunters, some cheaper ones. And then, um, all the components started, you know, the arrow would fail or you'd mush, you were shooting the steel plates at, at frontals and quartering shots on the steel plate and stuff for relative strength testing. And, um, all the, the arrow was always failing. The broadhead was still sitting there like, well, what else you got? You know? So hmm. it was like, okay, so now we got to build, they didn't, Eagle tip didn't even have the long aluminum ones. So mm-hmm. I went out, the first thing I built was the, out of aircraft grade aluminum, uh, like broadheads that were like, or inserts that were like two and a half inches longer than the standard gold tip one. But they're about two and a half inches. Glued those in and I built, machined some aluminum sleeves that went over the outside at first, we were using like a 2216 or something. We were just cutting it into one-inch chunks and gluing it on. Hmm. And then uh, finally, that wasn't that worked pretty good. But then I was like, well, if we're going to do this, might as well have machine parts that go over the end. And uh, so I machined similar out of aircraft grade aluminum, 7075. And then, so then that started getting stronger, but that's adding weight to the front. Mm-hmm. And um, so then we could actually shoot them into the steel plate and they'd bounce off. And that was pretty cool. Then they would, even when we shot them, they would bend a little bit into a steel plate at a 45, but not mm-hmm. much. And I'm like, well, if it, because I'm testing this for relative strength so that we could extrapolate it into bone. 
So, and I was like, well, on green bone, okay, now we've got a setup. The heads, the broadhead's not being bent. Or we, in fact, the original ones were called green meanies. Hmm. We never broke one. Hmm. And uh, they were made out of S7 tool steel, regular screw in, and um, but they had green Teflon on them, they're like a puke green color. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why we called them, but they were, but they were so nasty and sharp, we were just calling them green meanies because they would <laughs> never break. Huh. And uh, anyway, so we tested those, and then... Um, we're, but I was always trying to find a, the m- most lethal, accurate setup we could build. So once we started, uh, we got the front end strength figured out. Then we started looking at how we could better deliver that head. It was pretty awesome. We still had a, we had a pretty good weight forward, moderate, you know, moderate to high weight forward. Um, Overall arrow weight was not quite where we wanted. It's still kind of heavy, mm-hmm. so we're still pushing, you know, in the mid 500s. You know, and that's uh, guys use that, but that's not. That's a pretty small percentage, and that's what I'm starting to think about. You know, this broadhead, if we're going to sell it, because I'm thinking about guys had to want it. I mean, it's a, it's a two blade penetration and bone breach with three blade head. I mean, this is, this thing's pretty yeah. pretty dang awesome. And um, but we had to build a delivery system behind it to maximize its performance, and so we built the strength in. Overall weight wasn't right there for most guys, and uh, or for me, because I'm like this stuff's still kind of heavy, lobbing logs, and so we went to the axis style arrow to try to reduce that shaft because we're still trying to reduce all the friction and drag mm-hmm. for two things: one, flight through the air, we want to stay up longer, less resistance, you know, for speed and everything. So a smaller diameter is always going to fly faster with less resistance, and also through tissue, soft or heavy tissue the smaller the diameter the more penetration i mean we see it all the time in the targets out here i mean in a lot of the stuff that we see out here with our arrows is it's all shaft drag because the targets are built to slow it down on mm-hmm. shaft drag so a fatter shaft's going to slow down faster than a skinnier shaft but um so we went to the axis arrow and then to build the strength we were doing the sleeves like a lot of guys like chris dunlap's doing now with those sleeves and stuff mm-hmm. we did the we did the hidden insert with the sleeve and then but the, even with the axis arrow there the grains per inch was still too heavy right so then uh guy um james orr down in southern oregon is like hey have you seen the, that new rampage from black eagle and i was like no well, he goes well they're just like the axis but they're lighter so as soon as i saw them like shoot that's what that's what we're looking for so we mm-hmm. bought some of those but we ran the we don't do the half outs on the 204 diameter at all because it just kind of destroys this is going to piss some people off. <laughs> but it kind of destroys the whole idea of the 204 shaft, the inside diameter. That shaft diameter was built for the hidden insert. Mm-hmm. So when you install that hidden insert, that thing's back in there like two inches or more than two inches. Then when you screw the head on, it kind of creates like a footing on the inside. You know, the only thing that they never did that was kind of a shame is they never gave you sleeves for them. Mm. Because that was the weak point. As right. soon as you sleeve that up, and we tested all different lengths of sleeve and end up with a one-inch sleeve. It's only about 10, 11 grains, and we're just cutting the old Easton aluminum tubing that fit on there. It fit on perfect on yeah. a lot of the axis arrows. They were a little bit big on the rampages. But those were, would strengthen the front end so you could keep maintain your structural integrity, which is, you know, that's one of the key components of the ultimate arrow system for hunting. So... Um, so then we're like, okay, this is it. We're going to make these sleeves, but we're going to build them. We're going to machine them and have them come over the end of the arrow so that they weren't just, just a tube, you know, aluminum tubing on the outside. But then mm-hmm. about that time, 
I was like, you know, I thought vafts were too expensive. And I was, you know, I bought, all, when I was testing all this, all these other shafts and everything, I was just buying at retail. And, because uh, I had the time and money to do it. I was just testing stuff myself. I quit reading magazines pretty much. Really? And, uh, well, at that point, because I'd already, I used to read them cover to cover. Yeah. Traditional ones, Bowhunter magazine, all that stuff. And pretty soon you start realizing that when you're super into it like that, it's kind of the same stuff and they start recycling it. So, yeah. I mean, I would only just go through and look for any new stuff coming out. And then buy it, of course, and then yeah. try it, and like a lot of guys are doing now. And then, um, so I heard about these VAP arrows, so, and the Victory VAPs, and I'm like, you know what? Because I tested the Victory V-Force HV. I don't even know if they make it anymore. I'm not familiar with but those But it was at a five-sixteenth shaft. It was like their V-Force, but it was a thin wall. Uh-huh. So it was like, so you could still get the stiffness, but it was super light. Yeah, so when I ran our components or, or long uh, inserts in those with the outsert over the outside, mm -hmm. the sleeve, and uh, I could shoot those into steel plate frontal shots over and over again. I'm like, oh, my God. And the way, the FOC was like 25%. Holy smokes. And I'm like, the holy grail. I go, we got it. This is it. We're going to do this. Mm -hmm. And um, But then I go, okay, so with the frontal, I mean, I, over and over, just banging off a steel plate at 20 yards. Just bounce, bounce, bounce back and almost hit you. Hmm. I'm like, that's pretty awesome. All right, well, let's do the oblique angle test. So then we turn the steel plate at about a 45. And I think that arrow blew up before it even hit it. Because <laughs> I mean, and blew it up like it's almost like you put a, a M80 in it and just blew it to bits. Yeah. And I was like, Shh, talked about heartbreak. Yeah. I was like, I went from the ultimate arrow to there's no possible way we could hunt with this thing. Right. In, in like two seconds, you know. So I was like, God dang it. And so that's when we did the axis thing. I jumped around a little bit. So then we did the axis thing, then went to the rampage for lighter grains per inch. And then. So we're almost all in on the rampage, the 204 thing with the hidden insert and the sleeves. We were just going to make the sleeves on the outside, but they would go actually go over the end of the shaft also to kind of lock it all in and strengthen that all up there. And um, I just decided to buy some of the, you know, because Victory, we're having pretty good luck with the Victory stuff. So I'm like, I'm just going to buy some of these VAPs and try them. Let's give them a shot. So I bought some V6s. Back then they were called v 6 and uh, we'll just tell, you know, I was going to do some testing, see how they fly, whatever. Very first shot. So I knew what spine and everything. And I had this, put this weight forward set up. Very, very first shot with that arrow. I went, oh, my God. Really? That, that's amazing. It flew so, I never had an arrow that flew like that. I mean, it was just like the most pure, I just like to call it pure flight. It was the most pure flight I'd ever seen. And that's when I shot your setup that you rigged up for me. Like, just watching that arrow go, I'm like, it was one of the best flights I've I've seen in an arrow yeah, that I've shot out of I my I couldn't dose. figure out how to, because I don't know. Yeah. That's why I tell guys, even on the test kit, I go, you will know. Because it's going to be pure. Yeah. When it's pure, there's no wiggle. There's no, it's just like it was, it almost looks like it's on a string or it has a yeah. mission to a get laser. to where it's going. It's just very strange. And then, uh, but that was my first reaction with the very first time I shot him. Hmm. And uh, so then I couldn't stop shooting. So I sat out there for like a half an hour shooting these things, just going, oh my God, these things are so great. <laughs> just drilled on them. And then I started, you know, breaking arrows. And, and so I'm like, okay, so we got to pick different dots. But then after about 20 minutes, my group started growing. And I'm like, well, I must be getting tired or whatever, you know. So I stopped shooting and just, you know, I'm just getting tired. So then I go in in the garage and I just happened. I'm like, you know, I'm thinking about it. these things are so cool, man. I can't believe it. This is awesome. So then I go just roll one on a spinner real quick just to <laughs> see how straight they are. And then I look and that tip's flopping around. And I'm like, what the hell? Why is that tip flopping around? 
And uh, turned out the insert, the any Audi was bent. Mm. I'm like, why'd that thing? So I grabbed it and I pushed down and I straightened it out with just my just fingers. Just my fingers. And I'm like, whoa. And then, so I had the aluminum. The back then, that was their original, their first design. Everybody had the same experience with those because they were, just weren't very strong. They shot awesome, but hmm. there wasn't a lot of strength there. So I bought the stainless ones for increased strength. And um, they still kind of did the same thing. But I knew at that point that the micro, the lightweight micro diameter was the platform for our broadhead. I just had to figure out a way to screw that broadhead on mm -hmm. to that micro diameter shaft. And um, so we did all kinds. Of, there's guys doing stuff now that we did. This, this is like 12, 15 years ago. Inserting, we use bamboo, carbon rods, steel <laughs> rods, uh, aluminum, titanium, all that stuff with, you know, sticking in two inches of rod, outsert over the top, you know, just a regular standard outsert over the top. And it's just still, it was better, but still wasn't very, no matter what we used, still wasn't very strong. And then we started getting into where the, all those components weighed so much, then it would limit us, limited us on head. So we'd have to drop back to like the head weights we couldn't build a strong head with. Hmm. So that's why like our lightest head right now is 150. I can't, with our head, even our shorties, we can't build one that won't, hmm. but like we can't guarantee no failure on any lighter than that. But yeah. so, so then we're, I mean, it took me a long time. I was sitting there stewing on this. Cause I'm like, we can't do anything until we figure out how to get this shaft with this broadhead. And so I'm sitting there looking at our broadhead and our broadheads had the converter point, you know, the regular screw and stuff on the back. Mm -hmm. And I was, remember sitting there and it was in my garage again. And I'm sitting there looking at that converter point system and, I'm looking at this car, skinny carbon tubing, <laughs> and I'm going, oh, shoot, I'm going to figure out how to screw this. You know, I'm like, well, Fred Bear designed this, like, in, I don't know what year it was, but it was a long time ago and patented it and all that stuff. And I'm like, so this this old school, you know, so it just hit me, like, that old school stuff. And I looked at this super skinny, lightweight carbon shaft. I'm like, this is freaking new school. Mm -hmm. I'm like, why am I trying to screw in old school with new school? I'm like, why don't I just make new school screw into new school because i because i'm sitting there banging and there's guys there's a lot of companies out now building things to screw in right there's regular converter points so, and there's a lot of reasons for that because you can build broadheads the lightweight broadheads are very cheap to make most of them they're a lot cheaper and easier and, the, and with the converter point in the back that's a lot cheaper and easier also so it's a lot more affordable and more guys can buy you know for the majority of archers so but i wasn't building this for everybody actually i was kind of just building it for me and i'm like the best way i can do this would be uh, dan evans did it with a pin and his atac broadhead he built that one broadhead with a pin hmm. and uh and i talked to him about that he said yeah i didn't sell hardly any of those I sold like one <laughs> and i'm like no way and he's like yeah no one to buy glue in and i knew right. that because nobody wants to glue in i did traditional i mean i still do traditional archery and I don't like glue-on. Glue-on's a pain. Nobody wants to do glue-on. I want to screw heads on and go shoot my arrows. I mean, so, um, but he, Dan was on to something with those ATACs. Cause he was, he was, that's one of the reasons when I was starting to design my stuff. I'm like, yeah, he's got the idea. He's doing the pin on the head. But I'm like, we can't have glue-on. But, but I'm sitting there just go, well, that's when it just hit me. Why not just put the threads right behind the head? 
Yeah. And have the pin on it. I was like, well, someone's got to be doing that. You know, and I looked around and I just uh, drew it all up, had some built. And uh, hired a guy to look around and go see who's got this patent on this thing because we needed to do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we needed to license it from him. And uh, he's like, yeah, no one has it. And I'm like, what? How's that possible? Because it makes perfect sense. Once you see it, yeah, you're like, so, well, that's the first thing when I saw it. It was the same thing with the broadhead. When I first saw that broadhead design with the skinny tip, with the flare and the thing in the back and the three blade, I'm like, somebody's got to have that. You know, and Dwayne's like, no, they... They used to have it, but the factory burned down, and they just never, they just quit making it. I'm like, are you? Hmm. The, I, Somebody had it, and they just Yeah, and I'm like, it. well, that's the whole thing. When I saw it, I'm like, why is this not on the market? You know, huh. the Shuttle T is similar, but it's like they took the design, and then they took everything out of it to make it cheap. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, they took all the good stuff out of it, which made that style of head, you know, the, my understanding is they had the penetrator design, which is similar to ours. And then whoever bought it took it somewhere and they had the account start working the numbers. And then they ended up with the little tiny shuttle T lock. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, which was a great broad. I mean, they used to recommend that to guys. That would just yeah. And then something, they went downhill. Well, um, the, something happened there. Some, but yeah. Dan is no longer in charge of that stuff. Yeah. But, uh, oh, it used to be a really popular head. No, that's, that's the head that I used to tell guys all the time. They're like, well, I can't afford that, all that stuff. I'm like, well, then go get you some hidden inserts, mm-hmm. put some sleeves on it. And right now, I send them over to Chris, get some sleeves from Chris over at Elk River, and then get shuttle tees. Mm-hmm. I go, you pretty much have a neck-down version of what we do. Mm-hmm. And it's still it's a killer setup. Yeah. And uh, if you put uh, some brass, uh, you know, get the lightweight, like a Victory Vap or something, or RROs or whatever, but... Uh, or not that, but the uh, rips mm-hmm. or one of those or access or whatever. I mean, that's a great setup. As long as you put the hidden insert sleeve, you could even use the aluminum. Now, uh, there, there's a lot of good broadheads out now, with, uh, like Iron Will. Solid makes a good one. I mean, there's some good stuff out there. There's, But there are two expensive. But if you want the store-bought, that's the... That's who I went to every time, just get the shuttle tees. But now I hear the shit they're not. I don't even know what to recommend for store-bought right now. Yeah, I'm, so. I'm not sure. I know that the guys were having them fall apart, and that seemed like it was a few years ago when that, that switch happened. But Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and you're describing the setup that you would recommend if they didn't go with yours is kind of like my setup here. Um, That's what, yeah. You pretty much have it, except you, you, the, the foot, the what they call it, footers now. Are yeah. Pretty long. Yeah. A lot minor. longer than we used to use. Yeah. And uh, I, I kind of want to go into the, the center pin on your system because you, you brought up something that I'm like, with the arrow flexing and then the, having the center pin in there, you also installed a little rubber dampener in the back. Yeah. Um, go over that for me real quick. So once we got the pin design and the threading, so no one had it, so we ended up getting the patent on it because mm-hmm. I'm like, this is totally amazing. How does no one have this thing? It's totally amazing. Mm-hmm. And so, but then I was, you know, after thinking it through, so we started with the point of the broad, we're working our way back through, that we do the micro threads in the front, uh, right behind the head. So that we can, uh, so that I don't want to vibrate and loose either, because mm-hmm. that's a, that's cost me. I try to take out all the things that have cost me animals in the past, and remove all that. Anything I can control before I release the arrow, I want to have the do whatever I can before. Because once you release the arrow, it's over. You, everything up to that point, you have a you can control that and make the most effective projectile you can have all the best gear you know all the best you know trained to shoot the most accurate you can but the instant you release that arrow you have no control over what happens next so my theory was i need to do everything beforehand mm-hmm. especially on my arrow 
so it give me the best possible chance of success. I don't want any weak links on my arrow at all. So that's why we started with the head and built the platform behind it. So we get back to the pin and the pin. We set the pin depth similar to like a hidden insert mm -hmm. um, depth because that seemed to work really good. We extended a little bit. Then I was thinking, okay, so if we do hit some bone hard or something, it wants to try to snap our arrow right behind the outsert. Our sleeve comes over like an outsert, but then all the outserts usually break right behind the outsert, or mm -hmm. the outsert usually bends, or they break right behind the outsert every time with little to no pressure. Hmm. And um, so we ran the pin back behind the outsert about a half an inch or so, so that it never breaks right behind our, we call it a center pin sleeve. Mm hmm it, it'll go, it'll, the energy that's trying to snap your arrow will still keep going back and try to break you off back at the tail of the pin. But then, so we installed grooves with rubber bushings in the back to cushion that shock and transfer that energy further away. So that usually if you do hit, it won't break on game bones. It just, that we, that's, was our number one goal. Right. Of that, of our structural integrity was zero failure on impact with game animals, whether it's Cape Buffalo or Coos Deer. So, and that's where we stopped on building strength into our system. We stopped at that. We could, because everybody wants to shoot rocks and concrete and stuff like that. And I said, you know, we, we could build that, but we build stuff to kill shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and that's what we, so we would build in strength. So for zero failure. And then just same thing with the tip, with the drop point of the tip. Everyone's like, oh, that thing's going to curl. Well, yeah, if you hit a rock, it'll probably curl a little bit, but not on a game animal. I mean, that's where we kept shaping that tip and drawing it in and drawing it in and shooting. We were shooting elk scapulas and stuff until it stopped bending or nicking or whatever. And then we left it there because we want that hide breach. So we want, you know, the deepest, we want to go in as easy as possible. And there's a, you, a lot of guys can attest to how easy they go in things. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, uh. Yeah. Was it a South that stabbed himself? South tried to cut his Achilles <laughs> and, Dave, and Brinker tried to kill himself. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, but it was, th we made shorter ones now for those guys so that the, we blunted the tip a little bit on it there you so go. For, the, for the beginners. But, um, so that, so that's what we, when we built the strength into our system, that's what we built too for the pin length, you know, and style the sleeve length. Cause we're, and we're still trying to balance that strength. Well, zero failure, but with overall weight too. Mm -hmm. So. The pin length's built to a certain point. Then we put the rubber bushing to cushion the blow so that it wouldn't break in the front while it's penetrating. It may, you know, get knocked around, but it's still going to maintain. There's no tip curl, mm -hmm. no tip breaking, no breaking throughout the broadhead body, no bending or breaking throughout the sleeve, the pin, clear back to about the middle. And that would be, but you, and guys do break them if they somehow don't get all the way through and it, the animals can shear the, the, uh, arrow off with their scapulars or whatever yeah. they start running if they don't get a pass through but which is rare so um so that so when we built the pro i mean that's what the rubber bushing is in the back and th it does two things it cushions that on the shock on the oblique heavy oblique impacts that are trying to snap you off right behind the head and it also acts as a vibration dampener so your head's coupled with our micro diameter uh threads mm-hmm it's, your heads almost never vibrate loose. And even if they are loose, they're not going to rattle. Hmm. So, in fact, you can even shoot. Once in a while, I'll shoot a broadhead, and it will hit, just shoot a tiny bit funny, and you get up there, and the thing's, like, unscrewed an eighth of an inch. Hmm. But, I mean, with, any, with the standard screw and stuff, 
you're not even i mean it's disaster i missed a deer by three feet with just that exact same thing and it was only unscrewed you know slightly hmm. so i want um because you and i talked for a while before we had you on the podcast uh there's there's two things i want to go over real quick um well the first one is is you've tested the, the footers extensively prior to arriving at, at your current setup and you said um, after about an inch, there wasn't much benefit because I was thinking about going to a longer footer, and your testing would say otherwise. I don't. Usually, the arrow's broken by the time you need that extra footing, unless you want to add weight. But that's why we build the components at the weights you need, so you don't need to add weight. Because I always that always bugged me, either putting weight tubes in your shaft yep. or adding idle done weights that. inside there. Yep. Wait, well, yeah, I did it. I did all that stuff. That's what I told guys. I said I've done that. I even put weights. <laughs> I even put knock adapters in the back from gold tip and was screwing weights in the back end of my arrow, hmm. like going backwards. I did it. Really? I used to have seventy grains in the back end of my arrow. <laughs> You're to, kidding? To, me. No. <laughs> so that's what I told guys. I've done that. That's funny. you know I've done a lot of that stuff. I mean, I used to test. I used to do it. Test everything with the open mind. Every yeah. That's why I say the, we built the. My only stipulation was to build the most accurate, lethal arrow combo possible. Period. That's the threat, and in a moderate weight. Mm-hmm. So it didn't matter if it's high FSC, low FSC, we open to everything. Because, I mean, that's what we tried. I tried that. I mean, I was doing weights in the back, weights in the front, weights on both ends. No FOC, 100 grain points, you know, super heavy shafts, light. Then we got to where everything started focusing in on certain things. And the same thing happened when Ashby was doing his thing. He started going up in FOC and all the things started, groups, well, we noticed groups started tightening. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, and he was doing the penetration thing. He noticed his penetration started getting better. And that's when, you know, we do a lot of pondering. Yeah. <laughs> I do a lot of pondering. I mean, this is pretty much all I really think about almost all the time for years. And I was trying to think about why all this stuff happens and why does it happen and stuff. So it ended up, I and I think uh, I was talking with Garrett, not Garrett. What's the name from Grizzly Stick? Oh, I don't know. I haven't anyway, met him yet. Uh, anyway, um Talk about the grizzly stick guy, and he's like, yeah, so it's like uh, throwing lawn darts or something. You know, the head is out oh, there yep. throwing the thing, and I'm like, that makes good sense because that's pretty much what it is. And, uh, you know, but that was years ago, and the first time I tried it, I didn't change my fletching or anything. And, they, you know, the, a lot of things have come around after that. That's when I had the arrows dropping like rocks because mm-hmm. if you don't, if you gob the fletching on, mm-hmm. arrows drop like rocks. <laughs> so mm-hmm. could, the weight forward doesn't really have much to do with it. It's because the, the fletching – it just is like giant brakes on the back, it's like a parachute, which you don't need. The heavier the weight up front, or the more weight forward you are, the less control you need in the back. But if you're using a heavy shaft, you're still going to need more control in the back because that shaft weighs a lot. So that's why we like the lightweight shaft. We can reduce, it weighs a lot lighter in the back. Yeah. So to keep that thing straight, it requires a lot less fletching. Plus with that heavy, the weight up front, mm-hmm. pulling the lightweight shaft, I mean, we reduced, well, we use four minis on the back on all our stuff just for reduced, and because we're still trying to reduce drag. So for overall drag and uh, resistance in the whole system, because we're still fighting, we're still going, trying to, we're reducing that heavy bone breach threshold down. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, we're balancing all this stuff out and trying to get to that moderate weight and still have the heavy you know, the, the full Ashby, quote, quote, yeah. uh, bone breach and, you know, right. lethality. Without the actual Ashby weight. Without the weight. So we try to improve everything. Yeah. So, right, so we've worked it from the tip. We're through the broadhead. Now we're at the structural integrity where the broadhead meets the arrow. Mm-hmm. 
We fixed that. Now we're working on the whole entire aero platform with the weight forward system. So after we did extensive testing on it, and I think hopefully the push guys are going to do one here hmm. with that, like a legit test, because there's so many, there's a lot of factors that have to, even on these broadhead tests, there's so many factors that you have to think about, because you can kind of adjust, leave things out or put things in to skew all kinds of results. Right. So um, I'd love to talk to you about the, there's, um, and, and you've already covered this with me um, outside the podcast, but for the listeners, um, not having the knock follow the broadhead seems to be a big hiccup with a lot of guys shooting the really heavy FOCs in, in wind and mm -hmm. having the, the tail kind of leave the path of where the arrow is going kind of counter. Um, mm -hmm. Walk me through your what your uh, your arrow system does with your broadhead because um, it really intrigued me what, you, what we were talking about yeah. earlier. Well, we did the preface this with I, we shoot I, when I open mind in developing this whole system. So wherever worked the best, we would go that way. Yeah. Whatever didn't work, we just walk by whatever didn't work. So we just kept improving, improving no matter what. I mean, broadhead, we have a hard time improving the broadhead right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've, we've introduced the short, the short jag and the short bees for guys that are either have super short quivers or, you know, it's a little bit more easy to swallow than our full profile mm -hmm. jagger. Um, but that, besides that, we would just, we go wherever the most accurate lethal pathway takes us. So I tell guys all the time, if something was better, we'd immediately go that direction. Right. So, I mean, if, if you want to build like an ultimate strong arrow, yeah, I would use, you'd have to use a thick wall carbon run with a center pin system with steel components, pretty much bomb proof. I mean, bomb, I mean, there's no, there's nothing better out there for mm -hmm. bomb proof for if you don't want to, your arrows to break. I mean, you might break knocks and stuff, but knocks are cheap. But we, I'm not looking at that. I'm looking at performance and lethality. Mm -hmm. So we're doing accuracy in hunting conditions and lethality, the maximum lethality in the largest variety of circumstances you can encounter. I mean, there's points, there's going to be shots where nothing's going to work but a 700 grain arrow on certain animals or certain situations or certain shot angles or something like that. Hmm. But for the 90, you know, we try whatever percent it is, the largest percentage of shots encountered or experiences encountered in the outdoors under the most external weather conditions and all that stuff, wind, rain, snow, cold, mm -hmm. warm, whatever, mm -hmm. that's what we want to build in. So the most forgiving, stable, accurate platform in the outdoors, in the mountains, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. So, and that's what, our test, and that's what it's been. The more weight forward we can go, and the extreme weight forward, guys are freaking out a lot about extreme weight forward, but extreme weight forward on compounds, not really that extreme with the components that are available today. Mm -hmm. You're talking like, mostly it's, eight, depending on their bow setup and whatever, but it's like 18 to 20%. Mm -hmm. I mean, to get above that, it takes either a really, it's hard to do. You can't really do it. And that's what our setups are usually... Most guys with shooting our system is right around 19 to 20%. I mean, that's pretty much money. And then our arrow weights are about 450. Mm -hmm. This I'm talking about average, everyday shooter. Yeah. Um, running a 70-pound, anywhere from a 60 to 70-pound bow, 
arrow weights are 450 to 500, low 500s in there. So when when I when you set me up with my arrow this morning, I was like, you know, I'm gonna have to shoot a 600 grain arrow because I I thought your whole thing was high FOC, heavy arrow kind because I, yeah. I heard it's always centered around Ashby, and then uh, when you like 400, what's your grain? 457. Okay, here you go. I'm like, yeah. wait, what? <laughs> and yeah. so I was like shocked. I'm like, that's right, my wheelhouse. And uh, and the FOC was what was the FOC on my arrow? You're, about do you have the two hundred grain heads? I, th I think that's what you yeah, put on. Yeah, you'd have been at twenty percent. Yeah, um, and yeah, I got I got better arrow fight than my current setup, um, which I'm always looking for the next better thing. Yeah. But I don't want to go much heavier than five hundred grains because I like the trajectory. I've shot it for many years. If I have to compensate for for height, I know how much I'm just used to it. Well, and that's a, that's the one of the biggest factors in the beginning when we were setting guys up. We didn't bring the chronograph out. We would actually we had a range out to about 80 yards, mm -hmm. flat range. And we'd set guys up. We get them dialed up close, so then we start walking them back. We get yeah. out to about 70, 80 yards, and then we start adding head weight, start adding FOC, until you got to the point where you would reach a point where at about 50, 60 yards, those arrows would start diving. Mm. So then we back it up to where we had a nice easy arc out to about 70. I mm -hmm. mean nothing, it's just nice smooth, just because our arcs are a lot smoother too than. Uh, guys using more fletching because mm -hmm. those come out they might come out of the box hotter but they after about 50 yards they really start breaking harder and ours will just kind of maintain velocity with a lot smoother arc hmm. that's why it's, sometimes it can be hard to get sight tapes that work because yeah. they're mostly set up for lighter weight arrows with blazers I yeah because that's like 90 percent right of the industry yeah so um but that's one of the things that there's been a big misconception i think because everyone's talking about extreme foc you know, 19% is not that extreme, you know, 19, 20%. And you're talking about the same weight arrow. And we tried to hit the sweet spot as like full metal jacket and a hundred grain head. That's 450 right there yeah. for almost 90% of the guys. Well, what, why, why a lot of guys would consider that extreme from my personal prep um, experience is they're not using like what you did, the lighter GPI arrows. They're trying to get that 19% with a FMJ. With the higher grains branch arrow. And that arrow, just doesn't make sense. You can do it, but then you're going to end up 600. Yeah, exactly. So and that's not where I want to be. That's what I did when I was telling you I was running the <laughs> the full Ashby. I was using FMJs. Oh. <laughs> and I was at like one of my, it was like 650, and one of the other ones on my heavy bow was like 720. Hmm. But you don't have my 24% my FOC. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but it's just lobbing logs, you know, and that's, I have guys that want to buy into that right now. They're like, dude, I'm going to go full 650. I'm like, <laughs> I go, I'm going to tell you right now what's going to happen. I go, you're going to think it's great. You might get something, you may not. And then at about maybe this year, but next year for sure, if you go to any three, 3D shoots at all, you're going to be like, this stuff sucks. <laughs> you know, and that's exactly what I did. I'm like, mm. this can't, I don't want to keep doing this. Mm. It's no fun. I want to ask you, with all the testing that you've done, um, I, I've wanted to set up this test, but I'm so busy on my YouTube channel is um, if you have two arrows, and I think I already know the answer to it, but I'm really, really interested in hearing your, your perspective. If you have two arrows, uh, 450 grains apiece, mm -hmm. one's, uh, let's just give it a really shitty 5% FOC. Yeah, just, you can go 11. And then, um, yeah, because uh, this with, with like 100 grain, without the footer and it's just 100 grain, it sits around uh, 10% yeah. uh, or 11%. Um, but uh, you have a 10% FOC arrow, and then you have your 20%, 19% FOC arrow, uh, same exact weight. Same exact weight. Same exact tune. Yeah. Give me, give me the penetration difference. Is there any difference in penetration? Post bone breaching penetration will be deeper. Well, post bone breach. Now, soft tissue. There's two things that we need to think about here. Also, is soft tissue doesn't really matter. 
Unless the animal's moving. Okay. If the animal's moving, high FOC wins every time. That's one of the tests that Ashby didn't do that we thought about considerably. Two things that matter on a moving animal, like especially like southern whitetails, coos deer, things that are always Jumpy. wheeling. They're always jumping when you hit them. Yeah. Even, well, for me, even elk sometimes. They're trying to wheel out of there. Shaft diameter. Shaft drag becomes very important hmm. on a moving animal mm -hmm. uh, and high FOC. Okay, so you will so, get increased penetration when your arrow hits something hard with a higher FOC because uh, it's pulling through. If, well, if it glancing blows and things like that, yes. Yeah. The high FOC, once you hit that threshold, that's the 18, well, I don't know where it is, like 18, 19, whatever, mm -hmm. right in there. Yeah. I use, We start around 19%. Okay. Because there you're safe. You know that's where the head's pulling the shaft. The shaft yeah. is no longer driving the head. When you get um, that coupled with shaft drag, like fatter shafts on a moving animal, tremendous drag, tremendously more drag. There's exponentially more shaft diameter. Even if you go up like from the super skinnies we use, the micro diameter, to mm -hmm. like the axis size, mm -hmm. even though it's only like a 64th diameter. But that's a tremendous, it's not a 64th more surface area. It's like uh, X, whatever that yeah. formula is for volume, it's way more. So, say, and going up to the 5 sixteenths, it's, it's way, you know, even worse than that yeah. for shaft drag. And so, on a still animal, and Ashby did a lot of shaft diameter tests on, he was just testing it, comparing it to the feral diameter, mm -hmm. whether the feral diameter of the broadhead was bigger or smaller than the shaft on dead animals. They weren't moving. But, which, you know, obviously the smaller the shaft, that worked better on the dead guys. But when the animal's moving or you glance off something, like a rib or whatever, you know, that's what he, the post bone breach penetration, that's where the shaft diameter or not shaft, the weight forward thing and shaft diameter comes big into play. That's really interesting. Well, you saved me a bunch of time because I built three different arrows. I spent hours trying to figure out what arrows, what, and, and trying to get the very like apples, to apples, to apples, diameters yeah. and everything. And then, um, I, I was shooting them out, you know, 80 yards and just trying comparing, you know, what the different FOC setups were trying to get them within, you know, one to two grains, just be, tight tolerances and then um doing penetration tests is, isn't easy because yet there's a lot of, there's so many factors in creating a test but pen, yeah and so penetration and foam target is all shaft drag mm. that's it that's not <laughs> i mean that's what it is yeah but it, but it, but shaft drag is important for certain situations so shaft drag is important on moving animal mm -hmm. and uh, or if your arrow's not going straight through them when the animal's moving or you're you're glancing off of ribs and or bones and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Anytime that arrow's moving, that larger surface area is going to create more drag, more friction. Mm -hmm. So, or and so that's kind of one of the fact you know where shaft drag comes into play on that. Mm -hmm. But it's very difficult to do penetration tests. Then you could do bone tests, you know. But bone test is not straight up because bones aren't on the outside of an animal. Right. They're inside of an animal. That's another thing you can think about with our system is I tell guys with our weight forward system coupled with our broadhead design when we hit bone there's no resistance to our head getting breaking the hide like our broadhead the holes that our broadhead makes is as big as the broadhead because hmm. it doesn't it doesn't have to sit there and press on that hide it just goes right through the hide zero resistance so when we hit the bone you're getting maximum amount of energy transferred to the bone when you hit it hmm so with the other heads, with less uh, that takes more resistance just right. to poke through the hide, and you, you'll know this if you shoot the deer, and you get a giant hole mm -hmm. with the, you have a one-inch broadhead, and you have a three-inch hole in that hide right. broadside. 
that hide was while well, that broadhead is pushing. pushing on that hide, pressing in, stretching, 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 then the hide pops. Right. So you have this giant three three inch gaping hole, but you just ate up half your whatever half your energy maybe, and you can't get through. So by the time you get to the bone, you got nothing left. Hmm. It's like you you know. So then if you couple that with your steep angle point or where your dual head point, mm-hmm. then you hit a, a scapula, you're toast. Hmm. It's not going in. I mean, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. That makes sense now, but I mean, yeah. I've done. I mean, I've done that. I've shot them. Yeah. You know, cr- you hear the loud crack. Arrow goes in two inches, falls off, or they break it off and yep. take off. Yeah. And you're just like, you know, you just spent three weeks trying to get that shot. <laughs> it's freaking heartbreaking. I've got a. I've got a. I'm not gonna say it's a loaded question for you here, yeah. but I've got a question that uh, I, I see it all the time. And for me, with all the testing and everything that I've done, I, I see the word kinetic energy come up all the time. I'm like, why yeah. are we saying kinetic energy when we should be saying momentum? Because speed matters more with kinetic energy. I don't like talking about it, <laughs> <laughs> but momentum. Because it's like I was just talking with the guy yesterday about it came up and something. I'm like, yeah, I got a bow at home, a 70 pound long bow with a long bow setup, a 740 grain arrow. Mm-hmm. It's got like 50 pounds kinetic energy. It blow through Cape Buffalo easy. Hmm. It does like I don't know, like 170 feet a second. It's not anything. It won't. It's not legal. Hmm. But it doesn't. But it'll. You could probably almost shoot through a car with it. Really. So it's not like. That's very. Kinetic energy relies more on speed. Yeah. Might, you know, it's like it's not a very good. It's a semi indicator, but it's not momentum and. Arrow weight, I mean, there's a lot of factors that, for lethality and penetration and bone breach because time of impulse is very – time of impulse is how long the head pushes on the bone to break the bone because bones are, can be elastic. and Yeah. You need – I mean, really there's no substitute for arrow mass, but sp- speed helps. We like, sp- you know, speed, but kinetic energy is uh, – I wish more people would rely on momentum. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it relies more on arrow weight and speed's kind of a factor. And that's why we like speed for accuracy and effective range. So when that's where that 270, anywhere, you know, I like around 270, 280 feet a second. Mm-hmm. I mean, that seems to be our sweet spot because that's where we can maximize the mass and FOS, the weight forward. Mm-hmm. And so, like, a common setup, if you, you know, 70-pound bow, 28-inch draw, yep. you get to run, it depends on what you, but you're going to run an arrow in the low 400s to, I mean, sorry, high 400s to low 500s, 20% FOC, doing 275 is, like, that's the absolute, that's, like, yeah, the best possible setup we could build. So, it gives you the best effective range, and you can pretty much blow through both elk shoulders yeah you're, you're, it's golden i mean yeah. it's perfect well for for me what you're saying there really hits home because i i shoot and i've i've stayed between about 280 and 285 for a lot of years <laughs> <laughs> i just lost a shirt something's flying by and uh i i've just i've stuck with that speed because um you know i like the trajectory and yeah. like i said if i have to hold over or under or whatever i know where i need to aim because yeah. I've, I've just ran that for years and the tuning's a breeze, and I can shoot a heavier arrow. And so now when I'm going for speed out of a bow, um, I'm not going for speed in general. I'm going for speed to shoot a heavier arrow and get me back down but into that 280, there's 285. a couple things to think there, though, because when you're running 285, you run a, uh, the larger, the taller veins on the yeah. back. Yes. So you're slowing down faster at longer ranges, too. Yeah. So when you run, when you push that weight forward, 
lighten the shaft weight, you can reduce the fletching size in the back, mm -hmm. reducing your drag at longer range. You don't notice it up to 50 yards. It's not really noticeable at all. Mm -hmm. But once you get out a ways and that arrow starts slowing down more, it, it slows down faster with the larger veins, hmm. the higher profile veins. That's why we use the low profile. That's a good point. So we can come out of the bow slower, but we stay up longer. Your shed, I, I believe uh, Brian calls it shed velocity is what his terminology your is. Shed, yeah, your shed velocity yeah. is slower. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've got the, the heat veins. I've been playing with those, and um, I'm th I've been thinking about bumping up my weight a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's I've, the more I shoot, the heavier my weight seems to get up front every year. And then it just – I'm. I, it's just, the more I shoot, the gradually, the closer I get to exactly where you've already yeah. arrived. So, <laughs> so. Well, that's, well, that's why most guys, I tell, that's when I, we designed to come out with the stuff. Yeah. You, you know, a few years ago, I was like, you know, there's, I knew there had to be guys who were doing the same kind of tinkering stuff. Yeah. And guys are always like, you know, well, you know, I kind of shoot that anyway. I'm like, yeah, but you're cobbling stuff together. I said, I'm going to save you all that time and money. Yeah. Because I've done, I've done all, most of the setups that guys are running now that's like new, like typical example, the the sleeves and stuff, mm -hmm. or the footers. I mean, we did that 15 years ago. Really? That was a long, I mean, yeah, we're doing that back then. So That's cool. Well, because we do, there was a problem with the structural integrity up front, even on the FMJs and stuff. The, the, it was still, you know, mm -hmm. either mushroom in or bend or break if you hit stuff. And he, not, it didn't even have to be that tough, that mm. hard. And so, but you put that little sleeve on there, shoot, the thing was pretty much bomb-proof. Yeah. So, and it's never, if with the sleeve on uh, the access or the full metal jacket, and with, and as long as you, yeah, I don't want to say it about steep, but if you have a high mechanical advantage broadhead, let's call it that, <laughs> then with the couple of the sleeve and everything, you're not going to have failure up front. So, as long as, it, and the sharpness is another factor that doesn't get talked about a lot. Right. Um, the smooth sharp is way by far and away better than a rough sharp for for bleeding penetration yeah with our broad it's heavy bone penetration mm -hmm. smooth sharp edge like money you cut and as long as you don't have blade it's another thing with you don't want blade failure either you know that's one of the things we had with the single bevels um even when we're running the, the high-end stuff yeah you're still getting blade chatter and, t and blade curl and stuff like that on the heavy stuff like if, yeah. if you don't want to but i mean if you're running through pelvic bones and stuff like that sometimes you get that happens so with our with our broadheads or with the three blade design i mean that's another benefit of it i mean there's so many i mean that's what i tell guys all the time when they want to hear about it. i'm like well there's a lot <laughs> yeah there's a lot of factors that were built into this broader this broadhead has already that the reason why we use it i mean if and a lot of guys want a two blade with a center pin system I'm like well we may do one eventually because you can pack more of them in your backpack they pack flatter Mm -hmm. and uh, they're easier to sharpen if you're on an extended hunt for a month. Then you can just sharpen them with the files and stones and stuff like that. Hmm. Whereas our blade, you, well, you can do it and make a decent edge, but then but they do take up more space because they're three blades. Hmm. But uh, the 60-degree angle of our blades, there's no blade chatter. There's no blade roll. There's no, none of that. And with the smooth, sharp angle, they're way easier to sharpen than a two-blade. Way easier to sharpen at home with our wheel system. Mm -hmm. Anyone can do it. Two blades at once. You just draw them back across our wheels on a grinder. Hmm. And um, super easy, super easy to get them because I was a terrible broadhead sharpener. And, I mean, I spent all kinds of time and effort and cramp yeah. thumbs. Same and here. The, the whole thing. And it's just, 
even on the so-called sharp ones, you'd spend hours sitting there grinding on the, <laughs> on the little block on the table, you know, trying to get them so their hair popping. Yeah. And um, ours come that way. First of all, that was like a pet peeve of mine. So that's why I tell them what we hand hone every single one. Okay. So when they come out of the box, they're popping hairs. Hmm. So, um, but the smooth sharp, I tested that against elk scapulas also with that lightweight bow. Uh-huh. Run a rough sharp one, just file it, shoot the elk scapula with the super light bow and that lightweight head just hanging it in front of the target. Won't go through it. Really? Nope, stuck in it. That's really interesting. And I was like, holy smokes, that's amazing. Go in there. Uh, put it on the ground. We have the grit wheel. Buff it out. Shaving hair. Go back. Shoot it through. Go through it like paper. Hmm. So it's even the thick part. That's so, really crazy. Yeah. So then I'm like, Gee, that's pretty cool. So then we went and got the three quarter plywood out. <laughs> put it up. Shoot it through the three quarter plywood. Razor sharp. Boom. Blows through. Don't sharpen it. Pick it up out of the dirt behind there. Dust it off. Take it in. Boom. Shoot it through again. Barely goes through. Sticks ten inches through. Pull it, you know, unscrew it, pull it back out, put the head back on, shoot it, boom, buries to the fins. Hmm. Dull. Dullness, hmm. right? So to shoot it again, buries to the fins again, but a little bit shorter. You know, the fins are buried just like they were in Brinker's leg. <laughs> and uh, so they take it back in, run it, it takes about 15 seconds on the wheels, on our sharpening wheel kit. Uh-huh. Take it back out, it's popping hairs, go back out blows right through the three-quarter really? plywood so it sounds like kind of like a work sharp almost like a well work sharps work good um but you got to get the wider belt on there okay and use the round part we have videos on youtube on how to sharpen our broadheads but uh cool the wheels are absolutely the best and you get that mirror finish on them. they're super sharp they don't feel sharp mm-hmm. in the beginning when i sent them to drake who's working in our booth today he's like these aren't sharp I had to resharp i'm like oh dude <laughs> I go, whatever you have, because he didn't have the wheel or anything, it was going to dull them. They just don't feel sharp because they're smooth and the blade angle is 60 degrees. You can handle them. Mm. It's not bad, and let, but you just can't slide them on anything. So um, Yeah. Well, I want to talk about your uh, your short jags real quick before we wrap this thing up. Because I, I was, uh, I when I saw them, I'm like, that's the one I like the most. Like yeah. I like the design of it. I can screw it into my my standard setup. Very sexy. That was yes. from uh, Dan Evans. Uh, that's his contribution. He he uh, pulled me over at uh, one of the shows and was like, "Hey, you know, if you knock the nose off that thing and and yeah, brought it in a little tighter, yeah. he goes, a lot more guys would like that." I'm like, "I know, but it doesn't <laughs> go through." He goes, "It doesn't matter." Yeah. But you know, he goes, "But it's still going to be an awesome broadhead." I'm like, "Well, yeah, it's an awesome broadhead. It's it's killer. You know, you're just giving up." So you're just giving up a little bit. You yeah. Know? You're just giving up a little bit of that high breach. It's still going to go in one of the best in the industry through the hair and hide and soft tissue. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, in the super heavy bone, like the knuckle below the scapula, yeah. you're going to run into trouble there. Mm. With our full profile jagger with the long, you know, that three to one blade. It's a, got the same mechanical advantage as a three to one two blade out on the front end of that mm. of our regular jagger. But. That's still a killer broadhead. Yeah. I mean, that's still, there's nothing out there that can compete with it. Well, you you and I were talking about it. I'm like, man, that's like a shuttle T should have been. You're like, it's a shuttle T on crack. It is. Well, it is. It <laughs> is. Like, that's what, if yeah, you're going to take a, every factor of the shuttle T lock and maximize it. Yeah. It's bigger, stronger. That bigger, stronger. One piece. No, yeah. No parts. Yeah. Uh, steel's way better. It's it's S7 tool steel. Yeah. They're pretty much, most guys, when they shoot through hide and shoulders and stuff, it's still shaving yeah. sharp. What do those run? The sh- the all the Jagger broadheads are one twenty four ninety five for three pack, mm-hmm. and the short bees, the Blood Eagles, mm-hmm. are 
and the regular blood eagles are all 70 74.95 that's pretty cool yeah so so they're in the ballpark right there Absolutely. That, that's probably be the last year they're 74.95 but really? um yeah well, unless we go big time i mean but on those they're getting it takes us a lot of time they take a lot of time to make those are all hand sharpened oh and hand honed you know they're hand honed and hand trued every single one yeah so um they're not they're, we don't use machines for any of that stuff so okay um and they come and they come sharp ready to go and they're all true so that you could always if you buy a new box you can just screw it right on your arrow and they'll shoot just with the other ones okay so yeah that, that was really appealing because i wouldn't have to change my whole arrow setup to shoot that, that no head. And that's why we build the blood yeah. eagle so you can have the benefits of the jagger profile or the short bees mm -hmm. or the short jags yeah improve your broadhead the only problem is we only start at 150 that's the lightest head we make. And that's as soon as we came out with those, hey, guys, you got to make 100. <laughs> we're, we're not making 100. That's not what we're about. Well, we can't We can't do it. You know, We just can't make – well, we can't put enough steel in the head that makes to sense. make it do what it does and get it any – I mean, at that, we're pushing it with the 150 because we're taking out – I mean, we're removing a lot of steel. We're still maintaining structural integrity in all the vital areas. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and it makes a little – the vein, the veins, the vents make do make a slight hiss sound. But um, – but the 175 solid. And if guys would try the heavier stuff, it's not that big. For most guys' arrows, it, if you add 50 grains, it almost doesn't do anything. Right. If you're running a 400 grain arrow with a 70 pound bow right now, you go to 450, you'll be shocked. You shoot it at 50 yards, your your point of impact's maybe four inches. Mm -hmm. That's it. And most guys, they're, they're usually they're like, no way. And I'm like, yeah, way. That doesn't do what you think. Most guys that used to come when we were in the beginning. I just immediately take their head off their 100 grain or 125 and screw on a 200 grain head and go here. We go out to 40 yards. I said, put your pin on the bullseye and shoot it. Every single guy we've had so far <laughs> shoots it high and almost misses because they put their pin on the top of the target because they don't want to miss. Yeah. You know, shooting the Reinhardt block. Uh -huh. And I'm like, you aimed at the top. And every guy does. And they just turn around with a look of amazement going, I can't believe that. It only <laughs> dropped a little bit. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. It's not going to, it doesn't do what you think. That's adding 100 grains. So at 40 yards. So, and, but that, you know, we've kind of refined it from there. Yeah. And we did it through trial and error. Not, and we got a lot of guys on the phone that are running all these computer programs because they don't have access to all the shooting range and, and arrows. Cause most guys are like, tell me what their arrow got away when they make it up. And I'm like, well, hold on. And I'll grab one out of the bin. That's exactly like they want to make. And I'm like, well, that's going to weigh right around this. And it varies, mm -hmm. you know, four uh, plus or minus two or three grains, depending on what's shaft weights you get but um that's um it's not as terrible as you think we get a lot of pushback from the so-called archery industry people mm -hmm. because you know with their business model and how they run everything through all these channels and making stuff overseas they can't produce what we make and for them to produce heavier weight heads and stuff with quality it costs a lot of money Hmm. And for if like if we ran our head through like traditional retail channel and built them through all these chains and ran them through distributors and stuff, those they, they'd be two hundred bucks for a three pack. Jesus, huh. I mean, you know, because you have the layers. I mean, right. And we, even if we scale up, so. But I think there is down the road. I, I'm hoping that uh, the center pin system will get cheaper with the, when we scale up to more massive volume and when more guys start shooting it yeah start running higher production bring that cost down for more people because right now it's just the sleeves are 40 bucks a six pack or not 40 20 20 bucks 
40 bucks a dozen for just the sleeves. Yeah. So um, for the aluminum sleeves, the steel, stainless steel ones are 50 bucks. So, but, um, and I think down the road, down the road, and hopefully in the near future, we can scale it up, get some other companies licensing the center pin system. So I know a lot of guys want to see some of these broadheads with a center pin. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of guys want turkey heads because <laughs> they don't want to, nobody wants to be shooting $40 broadheads at a turkey. Right. And uh, we do have turkey head coming out. Oh, cool. With uh, with that, so in the in 180 and 200 grains. Cool. With the center pin system, so and uh, so guys should like that probably next year. Next year. Yeah. So cool. we're, we're trying to get it out this year, but uh, we're going through a third party, and they're and all of our stuff's made in America, except for the shafts. Uh huh. And um, all of our parts are made here with American steel and American titanium and aluminum, but um, they're uh, not and. Anyway, there's issues yeah. <laughs> with those. but Well, I appreciate appreciate you really breaking down and going into your yeah. system and answering some of my uh, kind of nerdy FOC questions you know, and, and stuff like that. Well, yeah, one thing that we can clear, hopefully the word will get out more because everyone, get, when they're thinking, like you said in the beginning, the, the FOC thing was going to be a 600-grain arrow lob and logs, you know, <laughs> and they're, they're, that's out there. Yeah. If guys want to do that and shoot elephants and hippos and stuff, there's definitely companies that build stuff for that. We build moderate weight arrows you know fmjs with 100 grain head yeah that weight range right in there or an axis arrow with 125 or That's a lot of guys are shooting axis with a brass insert and a 125 or 100 grain head yeah then 450 to 500 grains that's what we do but we maximize the weight forward and then by Perfect. and you're only about 19 20 percent it's not that big of whip but they fly better flatter and have uh they're just more forgiving overall. It's like tour in the wind. Yeah. Well, when I when you were watching me shoot out there, I I um I knew it. I and I said, I'm like, God dang it! And then you're like, Yeah, you torqued that one a little bit. Just but a the, tiny bit. But it was still in a two can sized uh, dot. Yeah. yeah. I think it was in the left side of it. Yeah. Uh, but that that arrow steered really well, and yeah. it just flew. And so I can see the difference in it. I really can. Well, one of the benefits you didn't we didn't get to try here because we can't shoot broadheads. Yeah. But when you're shooting a fixed blade broadhead with the weight forward system, even when you torque in that bow a little mm-hmm. bit. With the, if you're shooting the 100 grain head, that's why the 100 grain heads and stuff are so tiny too, mm-hmm. because that arrow's pushing. If they start pushing a different direction from bow torque, that arrow's now going that direction. If it moves off center a little bit, and now it's going in a whole different vector, travel vector. When you're running the weight forward system, but that 19, 20% plus, if you push that head directly at that target, even though you torque that bow, that that head's going to keep on track towards that target. And in fact, we did this with. Well, Scott, uh, Scott Carr, I think I told you about that at mm-hmm. my house. We're shooting at 70 yards. He he torqued the bow twice, three shots with a broadhead. One was two inches to the left, but he torqued it. Mm-hmm. I'm standing right behind him. I'm watching. the. I can see the bow jiggle. Mm-hmm. Shot one over four inches right. Elevation was perfect. Eight, we were at 80 yards. Hmm. And uh, last one, as soon as he let go, his bow was, he had dead bow. It was perfect. I go, mm. boom, perfect shot. Gets in there, and he, I swear, I'm not kidding you, he hit the center of the two-by-two two piece of tape we are shooting at. Mm. And I, but then he's like, well, I thought I got off those clean. I go, no, you torqued a little bit, but I go, check this out. You torqued the bow two times. One barely, the other one pretty substantial. He was still in like a six-inch radius mm. at 80 yards with That's a fixed really plate. Good. Yeah. I said, if you, and he's running 20% FOC, 200 grain heads, 250 mm-hmm. spine. I said, if you're running low FOC, that group is probably about a foot. You're going from vitals to guts. Yeah. Just from a torque. You know, maybe not the first one, but the second one, for sure, you're a gut shot him. Yeah. Or hit him in the neck or whatever. So I was like, 
That's the difference. I like for, to hear that. Forgiveness. You know, that's what we build into it. And it's not, we're not talking 30%. That's for the, the traditional recurve guys can get that, some of those guys. But for the normal compound guy, it's just, it's just taking your weight of your normal moderate weight arrow and just moving it forward to give you a more stable platform. Yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate that. When you say building and forgiving, uh, I try and, and when I'm talking hunting setups and stuff, I'm like, I want to make it as easy for me to make a mistake but still have a good shot yeah. or be as forgiving as possible because things happen when you're out there. And I want to give myself the most range of error yeah. and still have a successful shot. And you're building your system around that. So it sounds like I needed to play around with your system a lot more. And uh, why don't we give you uh, or have you give the, the, the listeners some contact information or places they can go yeah. to check out your stuff? Well, it's ValkyrieArchery.com, V-A-L-K-Y-R-I-E. ValkyrieArchery.com, or we're on Instagram mm -hmm. at Valkyrie.Archery. Yeah, we don't do a whole lot of Facebook, but we just run all our Instagram <laughs> over to Facebook, so there's some stuff there. But, uh, same here. Yeah, so that's pretty much we order. You know, everything's online. Uh, we do test kits. So if guys want to just check it out, our mm -hmm. arrows are, you know, our arrows aren't cheap. They're not super expensive, but they're not cheap. But they are accurate. They're not works of art, but they're very functional, yeah. accurate stuff. We square everything. You know, everything comes out square and true. Uh -huh. And, um, but the test kits are awesome because uh, for 50 bucks you can get a two separate arrows with three different head weights and mix and match and just see what the weight forward thing is all about. Yeah. See what or see what works best out of your bow before you go in, all in and spend a bunch of money on something. You know, because that was another one of my pet peeves I didn't like when I was testing everything was you always had to buy a dozen arrows or something. You know, and then we do sell arrows by the six yeah. pack too because you know you buy a dozen arrows and all this new fancy stuff with these outserts and you try them and you know it just didn't turn out like you thought. So you had to. But you're out a whole bunch. So right. test kit allows you to, and I think a lot of other guys are doing that now too, but the test kit allows you to mix and match samples or, you know, different head weights and stuff within a range of where you want to be mm -hmm. and find the perfect setup so you know exactly what you get. When you order arrows based off the test kit, you can either modify a little bit or you get, if you're shooting an arrow you like that's perfect for you, you will get that exact arrow. When, you, you know, everything's written on the arrow so you know You'll know exactly what to order when Perfect. it's order time. So. Yeah, I'll probably be getting one of those test kits just to uh, compare and, and, and see, you know, where, where they're outperforming my setup. Because I'm always looking at, you know, I'm not partial to anything. I'm, I'm like you. I want the, I want the best performance That's, I can get. So, yeah. um, you know, I'll, I'll go where the wind blows me pretty much as far as performance. So, yeah. um, outside of that, Brent, I really appreciate you coming on the show, man. I know you've been super busy over there. So, thanks for taking time yep. away from your tent. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll catch you on the next one. All right, Garrett. Good talking with you. Yeah. Bye-bye. All right, everybody, hopefully you had a great time listening to this episode. Brent brings a lot to the table, a lot of information here, and uh, I can attest to shooting his system. I was getting amazing, amazing arrow flight down the range, and it was better than my Axis arrows that I was shooting. And uh, I attest that just to having high-quality components. I have really heavy, high FOC probably, and, and just uh, really appreciate everything that he showed me and, uh, and, and talked about. So if you guys haven't yet, be sure to sign up for the newsletter. You can go to www.onpointpodcast.com. Sign up for that newsletter. You're not going to want to miss the giveaway that I have coming out for it. Uh, I, I am still putting it together. I'm not going to say anything about what's going to be in the giveaway, but it's going to be a good giveaway, and uh, be sure to don't miss it. You know, just go up there. It takes two seconds. Give me your email, and you're done. So outside of that, appreciate everybody listening. Uh, the podcast is absolutely rolling right now, and that is thanks to you, and I will see you on the next one. Bye.